Welcome to Brain Wellness, the podcast. I'm your host, Mandy MP. Each episode will bring you a new topic or interview related to brain health and wellness as part of my mission to help you on the path to a healthier, happier brain. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Wellness, the podcast. Today, my guest is uh, Michelle Steiner. Michelle lives in uh, with an invisible disability. She has articles published on the Mighty Nonverbal Learning Project, Discalcula Blog, The Reluctant Spoonie, Imagine the World as One Magazine, Word Gathering, and her blog called Michelle's Mission. She has had her photographs featured in Word Gathering and Independent and Work Ready. She works as a paraeducator in the school with students with disabilities and lives in Pennsylvania with her husband and two cats. Welcome, Michelle, to the show. Oh, thank you, Mandy, for having me today. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. Every every interview brings something new and individual, and I love hearing everybody's stories. So first off, my first question is always, what is your story? Um, why does brain health, and this, these kind of topics interest you? Well, one of the reasons that brain health has always fascinated me is I have a learning disability. So how my brain has worked has always been a mystery at times and just very fascinating how, how that happens because I know that I have a brain that uh, is neurodiverse and is wired differently. Sure. We're all wired differently anyway. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, do you care to share more about your, your disability? Sure. Um, my disability is dyscalculia or dyscalculia, depending on how you pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, and I also have a visual perception with it's in my brain, not in my eyes, though. And I also have a limited hand dexterity that um, is, is affected with my brain as well. We knew I had a learning disability whenever I was in kindergarten from pretty early on. I can remember I went to school and I had difficulty with things such as counting, dot to dot pages, learning how to tie my shoes. Those things were a real challenge at from being a young age. Mm-hmm. And I was evaluated and uh, I, they found out I had a learning disability. So from early on, we knew that my brain was different and of course, everybody's is, but I yeah. was going to need some extra services to to be able to help me out. And I can remember one of the first things we did was uh, I had to repeat kindergarten again. Mm-hmm. And I was in a new school and I began to receive specialty instructions to begin just to learn how, <clears throat> excuse me, to count and just to have all those things, uh, all those skills and it was really frustrating in the beginning. I just wanted to have a brain that worked like all my other peers. I just wanted to be like that and make my parents happy, which they've always been proud of me, but just make them happy, make my teachers happy. And it was really frustrating. And I, I just thought it was always going to be really tough. Mm-hmm. I can remember, though, that eventually some of the, the strategies were working in other areas, except for math. That was always the bugger. Uh I was able to start being in regular ed classes for things such as reading, uh, science, social studies. And we had uh, supports along with that, with extended test time. Sure. Uh, that was a big one. And having the test read aloud when I, when I was young. Mm-hmm. So that those were some of the things in, in the beginning bit. Yeah. Did the supports that you needed change along the time as, as you got older? 
At, at some point, yes. Okay. Uh, we were able to kind of lessen some of them. I was in all regular ed classes except for uh, math and resource whenever I was in high school. Okay. Uh, that, that, those were some of the services that, that I got cut. And I also had speech therapy because I had fluid in my ears. And that was only until uh, fifth grade. And after that, uh, I was able to be not not needing that service. So some of the services were reduced. Sure. And the services, did they, did you have them mostly during the school day or did you have some outside of school as well? I had um, all my services that were during the school day. Okay. Okay. So um, after school, you got to be a normal kid. Yep. For the most, yeah. (laughs) For the most part. Um, Yeah. And also the needs changed a little bit too. Um, It was easy when we we got that down pat of what I needed to do to be a successful student. Mm -hmm. But then came, well, what what am I going to do after school? Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to do college. That, that, that was always something that I, I wanted to do. Uh, from from the time I was young, but yeah, math really scared me, and sure. that also scared some of my teachers too. I can remember, you know, one of my teachers saying, "Well, I don't think you can handle college because of your math, so why don't you do a vocational training program?" Sure, and that just didn't feel like the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What helped you get past that? Did you ultimately get to college? I'm assuming. Yes. Um, what helped me get past that was I had one encouraging teacher that told me, you can do, uh, you can do college. There's people who have disabilities and I was hearing that. I was like, I can't believe that. And I also got connected with, um, office for vocational rehabilitation and they were able to say, okay, well, maybe we'll do community college and we'll find you a program that, uh, you know, that has services, accommodations for people with disabilities. And I did run into some roadblocks even before I got to that too. I can remember the psychiatrist who evaluated me. I'm a terrible task taker. <laughs> told me you're, you're most likely not going to go beyond community college. Oh. And that really discouraged me. Yeah. And then when I got there, there was a lot of people, that, uh, there was just that stigma like, Oh, you're getting an unfair advantage if you use disability services or your job choices are going to be limited. And I can remember I didn't use them and my grades really dropped because I wasn't using the the, the right services sure. that, that were out there. Sure. And I can still remember I had that professor that told me, you know, why don't we at least get you extended test time? Mm-hmm. And once I got that, I mean, I didn't do well in her class, but I was able to pass. Mm-hmm. I was able to graduate with my associates in early childhood education. Nice. I uh, worked in a lot of uh, child care centers. I was able to move out on my own, but I always wanted more for myself. Yeah. And then for financial reasons, I didn't move back in with my parents for a while. Mm-hmm. And I decided this is the time I'm going to try. All I have to do is try to go back to university. And I found a program that interested me. And had the least amount of math possible. (laughs) (laughs) And I uh, used all those accommodations. And once I just fully embraced that school with my job, I was able to uh, use all those services. My grades improved. I made Dean's List one semester. And I was able to uh, graduate with a a bachelor's degree, which they told me I couldn't do. Right. Right. You pushed through. (laughs) Where did 
where did that belief in yourself come from that you just knew that you wanted to do it despite what people were saying? I think I told myself I just had to try and I had to find what interested me. And it just, a lot of that just, I was, I just wanted to be able to just to try. And if Mm -hmm. I failed at it, then okay, at least we know we, we made an attempt at it. And I knew that I could handle a lot of classes and it wasn't the end of the world. If I didn't do, I didn't get an A or I didn't get a B in a class. I mean, everybody kind of, you know, stumbles and falls and and those things. That's not the end of the world. Not that's something you can try for. So I knew that I could do it. As long as it wasn't a math class, that was always (laughs) the the ones that were difficult um, were that. Yeah. So that, that gave me that encouragement. Good. I'm assuming you had some support from family as well. Yes. My parents were wonderful. Uh, You know, I was able to, uh, they were always encouraging uh, with with school and things like that. Um, You know, just tell me, okay, keep on trying. (laughs) You got this. Um, That's yeah, definitely. And I had a a relative that worked on campus and was able to take me because I can't drive because of my visual perception. So that, that also came in as a real help. Yeah. How did your visual perception come into play as you were going through the classes? Did that make things a little bit more difficult as well? It made certain things difficult. I can remember I was a good reader, but we always had to keep a little piece of paper underneath uh, so I could be able to track as I read, because sometimes I would um, end up losing my place or if I had to fill like a chart in or something, that could be difficult. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that, that made it hard. Uh, it, it was more in gym class. We kind of knew I wasn't the most coordinated. I would think <laughs> whenever a ball came at me. So we knew driving was going to be a real challenge. Sure. So my parents, uh, they, they waited a year before I got my license. Uh, the school even offered a driver's education class, not behind the wheel, but gave like the rules of the road. And I, I honestly think that had to be the class that was about as useful as math was to me. Cause right. I didn't, drive but yeah we didn't know that at the time sure. so we knew it was going to be a, a challenge so we waited yeah. that year and my parents uh, right around when it was time to try to attempt to drive mm-hmm. they uh, had we lived down the country and we had a field and they put me on the lawnmower to go mow this field and instead of making those really nice smooth lines I ended up making a uh, crop circle so <laughs> now the mystery solved. We know where they come from. It's Michelle. And, she did it. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I did that. And I also, my mom had me in the car and we were going up the driveway. And thankfully she uh, was able to intervene or else we would have ran into the garage. Oh dear. And at that point we got it. I had, I was evaluated at a rehabilitation hospital on uh, visual perception uh, with driving. And yeah. I, Past everything was great. You know, my vision was wonderful. I had enough sense to know what to do when I was on the road. But when we got to the visual perception part, she said, I'm sorry, I can't recommend you getting your license because of your visual perception. Mm -hmm. And my mom prayed that morning in the chapel at, at the hospital. And we just figured this was just the way it was going to be. And I, I was fine with that. I, I've done stuff such as, uh, making sure that I live in a central location. So if I can't get a ride from somebody, I'm able to walk places. Mm -hmm. I have a great husband who takes me places and I have 
wonderful uh, friends and family that are that are great for that too. Yeah, yep. Finding those support things to get you through is huge. Uh, none of us were ever meant to do this life alone. And mm-hmm. when I think when you're blessed with a disability, it forces you to realize that and to um, really take on those support people that, around you that are there for a reason. Definitely. So, yeah. And I love how positive of an attitude that you have about all of this. It's easy to get down when you have Mm -hmm. different abilities or things that limit your, your life compared to what it could be if you didn't have those. Uh, But I love that, that you keep this positive attitude and you're able to joke about things. I think that takes a long way too. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I think um, working in my full-time job, I work in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always with neurological illnesses of some sort. Mm -hmm. And my patients do the best when they have a positive attitude. So when you can joke about things and and really keep things as light mm-hmm. as possible, I think that's when I see people just to, uh, recover in leaps and bounds because they just, that attitude is huge. Um, I do have a sign behind me. It's often hidden by my my big old head, <laughs> but it says um, attitude is every, everything. Choose a good one. And that's, it, it will make or break your, your recovery and your journey with any kind of illness or, or uh, different ability on that. So exactly. I, commend, I commend you for that. Yeah. So we, we kind of talked a little bit about some of the, the supports that you had in school. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of ther- different therapies, you mentioned speech therapy for a little bit. I'm assuming occupational therapy was in there. They didn't do occupational therapy during that time. Okay. Okay. That was later on with the, the driving assessment. Yeah, yes, but they okay. really didn't do too much. It was more, you, you can't drive. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what other kind of supports did you need? Did you see a therapist or? I did a lot more with just accommodations at school. Sure. That was a big thing. Um, making sure that I was advocating for myself, yeah. that that was always a big thing. Once I learned how to do that, and that was a skill to, to learn how to navigate because yeah. I didn't always do that perfectly. Um, and, you know, I paid the price for some of that. I'm sure. not knowing how, how, how to do that. And I can remember my mom, she was always really great for explaining things to other people. And I thought, wow, I really wish I was like that. And then when I became an adult and I was out on my own, I think that's when I went back to school, I had to be the one mm-hmm. that could problem solve and could be the one that was speaking up and saying, well, this is what I have. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think advocacy has been one of the keystones of uh, being successful as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like your mom was really uh, advantageous with that. Did you have any other role models that you kind of looked up to and uh, kind of helped you as you went along? I didn't have a lot of people that I knew had disabilities. I, I think that was something that, that was kind of um, lacking. Um, it wasn't really till I went back to school and I had professors that understood, okay, I have this disability. And they were in, my department was uh, the special ed department mm-hmm. and we did more of the service end. So I think that was a role model and it got me to learn about my brain and my disability and other people's disabilities and they were just so always so understanding and so encouraging. So I, that's where I had a lot of role models too. Yeah. Yep. Is that what helped you get into where you are now working in, with kids with disabilities? Yes, okay. I, I definitely. Um, yes. I was able, after I uh, went to school, I uh, worked in some other places. It, it was 
hard to find the right fit for me. Uh, I had some jobs and I eventually uh, went back and decided, okay, I'm going to put my application in to be a teacher's aide. I I subbed before. I didn't think I was going to get a permanent position, but I was lucky to be able to do that. And when I went back, I was uh, able to understand a lot more Mm -hmm. of my students. And I had that hope. I had that positivity that I didn't really have in the beginning. Um, But I was able to go in and say, so now I get to work with kids and I get to put those advocacy skills into place. Like I will go, we'll explain, well, I'm really struggling in this class. Well, okay, here's how we advocate. Here's how we ask. And it just makes a world of difference for them. Yeah. So you're passing on the skills that Mm -hmm. others helped you get as well. Yep, exactly. That's perfect. Perfect. So fast forward to now, what are you doing these days to help keep your brain and your body healthy? Well, a lot of what I try to do to keep my brain and my body healthy is exercise. It always helps me uh, to be able to focus in whenever I do a lot of uh, that. Mm -hmm. I also love to do um, learn new things. Sometimes like when I write for my blog, I'll be uh, doing, I do a lot of metaphors with nature. So if I don't know something or if I want to get some information, I'll look things up and I'll try to like learn new skills. And I love to read. I've always uh, loved to read since I was young. My dad used to read to me and I still have a passion for books and and for writing. And I give myself experiences where I'm out like with friends and family and just give that chance to experience new things as well. Mm-hmm. That's all good things to do that. The social aspect of it is really important as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, working in neurology, there are some things that I tell people all the time and you kind of hit on all of them, keeping yourself active physically. Mm-hmm. So doing that mm-hmm. physical exercise emotionally, uh, connecting with other people, doing something that, that's a passion for you socially. Mm-hmm. So keeping that social activity, you're, you're constantly talking to other people and having to keep up on everything. All of those things keep your brain healthy and active. So you got it all. You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> um, what are uh, one or two tips that you would give to somebody else or a listener that might be uh, in your situation? Maybe they are just realizing that they might have a, a learning disability or that their child might. Um, anything that you would, could give as a, a tip for something that they can do now? One of the things that people can do now uh, is to make be able to explain the disability in simple age appropriate terms. Mm-hmm. I can remember my mom and my dad, they, I would, you know, they would tell me you have a learning disability, your brain just learns differently. Mm-hmm. And that's what I needed at that age, because a lot of times I struggled socially. So my peers were yeah. telling me, well, you're, you're stupid or this. And just having that, my, my parents uh, pulling me back in, just saying, this is giving that information. That was one thing that helped. Yeah. And I think, it's encouraging also to look on things that they are good at and encouraging them to pursue those. Mm-hmm. And I find that's, it's more empowering for me to figure out things that uh, focus on things that I'm good at rather than focus on the things that I can't do. Mm-hmm. And that's huge as well. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times we get stuck on the things that people can't do. And it's absolutely imperative that we focus on what you can, because that that's where we build people up and they gain the confidence to do the things like you're doing now, Mm -hmm. Um, just being the best you that you can be. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, What are 
So you're, you're teaching now. Is there, are there any, mm-hmm. any special things you're doing on your blog that you'd like to share or sure. projects? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to, one of the things I love to do is I love to take pictures Yeah. and I, uh, if I can't, I, sometimes I'm able to bring out details that a lot of other people miss. Yeah. And some of that is due to, okay, I'll be in the car and I'm not driving and I'll, I'll, I'll see something. I'll say my husband, I'll be like, did you see that? And of course he's concentrating on the road. So he can't (laughs) see certain things. And I get to go back on a walk a lot of times and I get to take a picture of that. And nature is really powerful. I'll do pictures of flowers or just other really interesting things that I get a chance to see. And I get to feature that in my blog. And I also try to write a lot of disability articles because I, a lot of times people when they hear learning disability, they think, oh, well, you can't learn or there's all that stuff you can't do. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand a lot of it. It's just the, the brains wired differently and they mm-hmm. just need different ways to do things. So mm-hmm. I put, I try to put a lot of disability articles on there as well and try to combine my, you know, the love for nature and uh, things like that and be able to incorporate that in with my writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have been published in many different things, it looks like. So, yes. And that has been, yes. And that has also been very healing for me as well. I can remember, I always loved writing and I had a friend that told me, you know, you really should um, write about having a disability. And all those years ago, I was like, I don't know if I really want to write about this. And I think I went through writing some pretty bad poetry at that point. (laughs) And I can, but once I wrote that article, the first one about having the limited hand dexterity and my struggle with opening up our lock on our front door. And and just, that was the most healing thing I ever did. I got so many connections with other people that said, Oh, I struggled with that too. And, or, um, you know, I, I've struggled with that, but I thought I was the only one. And Mm -hmm. that helps me to be able to connect with others that, that also have the the same challenges that I do. Yeah. Yep. That can be very therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Um, several of the interviews that I've had recently, people kind of got over different things in their life because of that um, journaling or writing or something, mm-hmm. putting it down on paper. It can be very therapeutic when, when you talk about those and exactly it helps you connect with other people. So I love that you're doing that. Anything spe- special coming up that you want us, our listeners to watch out for? Sure. Um, a lot of the, one of the things that I am coming up, um, one of the writing groups I was involved in, we are supposed to be putting out a book. I'm not sure of the, the title. We just got the news today that we got to yeah. get the cover done and it's in its final stages. So um, I have a few stories in that. So that, that'll that probably be coming out on the, the details, hopefully on the blog. And I have some other um, things that I'm pursuing as well. So <laughs> those will be uh, coming out soon. Awesome. Awesome. And where can people find you if they want to follow up on all of those things coming up? Sure. You can find me at michellesmission.blog or you can find me on Facebook or um, on Instagram, uh, Steiner7250. Okay. Awesome. I'll include all of those in the show notes as well. So people can, can find you easier. Yeah. Anything else you want to share that I didn't ask about that you just want to get out there? I think that we covered everything. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure to get to know you today, Michelle. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your story. I think it's important to get that out there and just uh, let people know that it's it's not something to be scared of. It's just mm-hmm. something that makes life a little bit more interesting to navigate through, but you can certainly do it and you've become very successful. So great job. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on today. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brain Wellness, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to subscribe, like, and share this with others to help me continue on with my mission to help people live healthier, happier lives. Go to www.brainwellnesssolutions.com to see what I'm up to and get links to all the social medias there. See you next time.